Well, good morning to you. And uh, was anybody here last Sunday? You heard the great sermon? He's got his guitar locked down. He's a wise guy. I was going to put it on because, well, I can't be like Brad Cowie, but I'd sure like to be. Wasn't it a good message if you were here? And my prayer is that today that you will consider some of the stuff that Brad talked about last week, that you will consider growing in your faith. And I'm going to say this repeatedly this morning, and it's not original to me, but I want to say there's more freedom to be had. There's more freedom to be had. And if you have been, I guess the word stagnant, and I'll even use a little bit of a biblical word, if you are lukewarm as a Christian, if you've studied the scriptures and know what God does to lukewarm Christians, let me just exhort you. As Brad did such an excellent job last Sunday, have a little bit of personal discipline. And in 2020, gain some more freedom. The truth is, all of us with our backgrounds, our past, our experiences, the way we perceive, you can have two twins growing up in the exact same family and an experience, one will interpret one way and the other will interpret another way. And those thoughts rolling around in our head can keep us from freedom in Jesus. I just wanna tell you there's more freedom to be had. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. As we go to your word this morning, let the word just like, like literally tear down those strongholds in our minds, those thoughts and ideas built up against a knowledge of who you are. And God, may 2020 uh, be a new breakout year. As I have seen repeatedly, oh God, this pastor's heart has been so warm to, to hear Brad preach or or to hear people that have been in set free or, or people who have gone through some of the mentoring that we've been doing as a church or people who have heard the Hearing God six-week series and I have heard God of people getting right with each other, unity being restored, marriages being enlivened. Oh God, would you continue to help us to have more freedom, to be more the body of Christ that you've called us to be. Oh God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is inside of us, who is our counselor, who is the one helping us to renew our minds. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, I think all of us are quite aware that self-awareness is a critical thing to have. And self-awareness, it can be a little bit of an Achilles heel because we need to be aware of who we are and what we're like. But sometimes if we're super self-aware, we actually get, we get bound up. We don't want to open our mouths. We don't want to even expose ourselves to anybody. We don't want to even enter into conversations. We won't stand up in for sure and speak in front of a whole bunch of people because we're so self-aware. We know exactly our shortcomings. 
sociologists will tell us that all of us have to kind of rewrite in our head who we are so that we can actually get up in the morning and look in the mirror. But I can tell you that the deception of sin, the deception of trying to think or feel like everything's okay, will bind you up, will keep you from growing, will keep you from freedom in Jesus. And like Brad declared last Sunday, some self-discipline, some training, some growth, understanding why you go through hardships, why God actually not only allows it, it even brings hardship in your life so that you can grow stronger. How God, the pure and holy God, will discipline you when you're doing your own thing and sinning because he wants you to be free. Do you not believe me that Jesus came to set you free? And some of you, well, yeah, I'm saved, I'm free. We need to grow deeper, friends. I find myself and others so quickly dismiss what we know to be true about ourselves. And as a father, my dad kept getting better as he got older. I mean, he, was, he never went to church, but he kind of would watch every religious program on TV, so I guess that was his church. But when my dad was, when I was younger, my dad never did a stitch of housework. Any wives have, no, don't put up your hand, wives, you'll embarrass your husband. My dad did nothing. And in fact, even the yard work, his kids had to do that. I shoveled, I mowed the grass, I did all sorts of things. We had to wash dishes. But here's what's exciting. I remember going home to visit mom and dad when I was probably about 30. Dad was retired then. We ate a meal. Dad got up and washed the dishes and dried them. I wanted to go up and shake him and say, who are you and what have you done? I thought maybe an alien had taken over my dad's body because I was so proud of my dad because he never stopped growing. I mean, the guy was in his 60s then. And it gave me great courage and hope. And I can tell you, and I've confessed it here before, that I have been stuck. I have thought I've gone as far as I can go. I know as much as I can know. My brain is just too small, I would declare to myself. And today as we look to a couple of big events we as a church are hosting, I want to prepare us as a church by looking at how sin has affected each one of us and how God wants to grow you into being more like Jesus. Now with that introduction, most of you have checked out. You've decided, well, it was a good sermon, I thought. I wished I could go back to another sermon. But let's look at the Bible, okay? Uh, let's look at the Bible and see what it says on the subject of growing as a person. Like Professor Brad Gowie so well challenged us to do last week. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. The book of Romans and... Uh, uh, probably the book that freaks me out the most is the book of Revelation because it's so allegorical and there's about a thousand and one opinions. In fact, I will tell you, the book of Revelation, the best way to read it is try not to read too much into it. And in fact, I'm told that persecuted Christians understand Revelation more than anybody else. Book of Romans, Chuck Swindoll says this of it, 
it is uh, as the clearest and most systematic presentation of Christian doctrine in all scriptures. I happen to know that Chuck Swindoll had his secretary do a bit of an analysis on the book of Romans. And the book of Romans, he discovered, still has lots of presentation. Like it, it has illustrations, it has stories, it mentions people's names. It's not just all about doctrine, but doctrine is what the book of Romans is about. And when you go through the book of Romans, he mentions Israel a lot. He mentions why they're part of the plan of God's kingdom. He mentions why the Old Testament law came about. And then he starts to cover all sorts of things. In the first part of Romans, right in chapter 1, Paul talks about how sin is destroying society. And he describes the steps into depravity. Depravity is where you, you go from being an okay person to an awfully, horribly wicked person. And if you look at those steps in chapter 1... It kind of scares me a bit because I think we're getting there. We're rationalizing and justifying sin, but let's be careful because we individually do the same thing. We say, well, I don't really have any major sins. We've categorized, I, I don't steal, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't go with girls that do, and so then we're okay. In chapter two of Romans, the writer, the Apostle Paul, confronts hypocrisy and judgmental attitudes. He, he really confronts the religious spirit. I, I love these words that are written to the legalists. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. There's a word we've used, we've stolen it from the Greek, and the word is hypocrisy, and in the Greek, hypocrisy literally means actor. And what Paul is saying, quit being so hypocrite, the word slipped my mind, quit having hypocrisy in your life. All I can say to those kind of words is, ouch, how two-faced we can be. Paul declares that we will be judged. We need to repent. We need to stop being evil. And he goes a little bit into that. And a few verses later, after he kind of calls out the religious spirit, he says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to, listen to this, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And almost as if hearing our arguments in response to all of this, a lot of us kind of get our heads there. And when we read Andy Stanley and he talks about the law and what the law was put out, we get so angry at him. And almost as if hearing our arguments, the Apostle Paul, in response, writes these great words to the religious spirits in us in Romans 3.8. Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Here's his words to those religious people. Their condemnation is just. Friends, what Paul is describing in the book of Romans, he talks about God's love, but he really is, is flipping the switch from the Old Testament law where you really earned and gained your salvation through sacrifices, doing the right thing, through penance and all these other different things. And he's flipping the switch now and saying it's about Jesus Christ and it's about Jesus Christ in you. 
And I can tell you, as fallen human beings, we so easily and quickly slip back into being legalistic, almost like Old Testament law kind of people. Paul wants us to understand one of the reasons for the Old Testament law is that through the law we become conscious of our sin. That's really, in essence, one of the main reasons God put the law. Uh, our sin was already there, but our sin increased when the law came. God said, do not, the Ten Commandments. And we looked at that mark on the wall and we said, okay, there's the measurement, now I'm gonna try to measure up. And as we go through the book of Romans, you'll discover we cannot measure up. We can't get there. This is where Jesus is inserted. Then we get to the really good stuff in chapter three. And Paul begins to explain what Jesus came to do in regards to our sin. Romans 3.21, get yourself there. And we will discover there is a new righteousness in Jesus. And this is the righteousness we need to pursue. And God's love should be drawing you into his righteousness, into the Holy Spirit filling you, into your mind being, as I prayed, those strongholds torn down, those ideas and thoughts, those, that wrong thinking that you have. Our minds desperately need to be renewed. Romans 3.21 says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. He's switching gears. He's flipping to the new covenant to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given, listen to this, through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There is no class. Jesus Christ has come. And he has set the captives free. Uh, we could stop there in the whole sermon. If you could go home with that thought, if you could get the point that Jesus Christ has done it all. He has paid all the penalty for your sin. He has reconciled you to God. You have become adopted into his kingdom. You have a relationship now with the Father where you speak to him and he speaks to you. If you got that point... You are on the start of the greatest journey of faith in mankind. Now you might be sitting there thinking, as I've been rambling about this doctrinal thing and that doctrinal thing, you might be sitting there thinking, I wonder if I have sinned. Or if I even need Jesus right now. And you're going, nobody would ever think that. You'd be surprised how many people think that. I hope if you've been in this church for a while, you never think like that. But there's a lot of people, when they're asked, or in a group of people, if we were sitting in a small circle, we're getting really intimate and accountable, and I was to ask the question, has anybody got a sin to confess? I mean, some of us just straight up lie because we don't trust the people that are around us. But there's a lot of us that have become so good in our deception in our mind about our own sin, we have become so not self-aware our relationship with God at best is a shoestring. We're seldom in the word. We seldom ask God the tough questions like, how am I doing? So I was sitting on the front pew, and I said, God, how am I doing? I'm about to preach this stuff. How am I doing? He brought two things to my mind, and I texted one person one thing, and I dealt with the other thing right there. This is a relationship with God that brought. Hear this, sin has tainted everyone. 
Sin has tainted everyone. And in verse 23, it says it so well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Charles Stanley, I'm driving to work Friday morning, and he made a statement on the radio. It's one of those little moments kind of with Charles Stanley. And he made the statement. He said, we are all enslaved to some form of sin. We are all enslaved to some form of sin that dictates and governs our feelings and actions. We live in a land of freedom, he says, yet we are in bondage and slavery to sin. People think, I don't need the church, I don't need God. I don't wanna be a slave to God, but we don't realize that the opposite is slavery to sin. I just happened to read an article yesterday about a guy who got addicted to crystal meth and he talked about the entry and how people would describe it, how it sounded so wonderful and then he gave a description how he now sees crystal meth where you lie to all your friends and neighbors just to get your head to hit, where you are starving to death for, for up to two or three days, but it doesn't matter because you just need more crystal meth. You see bondage and slavery, to, that's obvious. But do you and I realize the little things that we aren't even self-aware of anymore, that we are in bondage and slavery to sin, our thought life, what goes on in between our ears, really affects the outcome of who we are. And God wants you to have more freedom. He wants you to go deeper. Charles Stanley goes on and he explained how we rationalize and explain away our sin. It's funny, I tried to compliment somebody this week. And uh, I was just telling him, man, I'm just so impressed how you're so careful around other ladies. And the only lady I ever see you give affection to and kind, loving, you know, those kind of words that only should be between husband and wife is to your wife. And he goes, yeah, he says, I, I have such a sensitivity of, of being loyal and faithful to my wife and, and just not going down that road, not connecting with a woman in a certain way. And I said, yeah, I've seen that. You are so awesome. And then he looked at me. He said, don't get me wrong. I've got my sins that I struggle with. That just doesn't happen to be one of them today. But he said, I've got some stuff I struggle with. And he said, I sometimes struggle with materialism. And and it's not like you think, he said, it's not like I want to have a big house or be a millionaire, but I struggle with stuff that I buy. And there's for no real reason I buy it. Friends, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John, 1 John 1, 8 have you ever read that book? I remember the first time I studied John, 1 John chapter 1, I was overwhelmed, especially with this verse in 8. It says, and you understand this is written to Christians. These are written to people who are redeemed and saved and bought by the blood of Christ. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And in 1 John, he talks a lot about hating our brother and having divisive spirit and division, that if you are in the light, that isn't in the light kind of stuff to be doing. I am so glad that I'm saved by faith and not by the law and not by my own actions. I am so glad that I'm saved by faith. Remember, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in verse 24 he says, and all are justified freely by his grace. 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. I read that this week and I went, why is there such a big word in the Bible? What in the world does atonement mean? I mean, I've taken theology, so I have a grasp of it. So, so I looked it up in my Bible program, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but the definition gives you more big words that you don't understand. And the definition that I looked up of atonement said, a means of expiation, place of propitiation. And I read that and went, okay, now it's really clear in my mind. So I looked a little bit deeper. And I discovered what Paul was doing, especially uh, Romans was lit, written to a lot of the Jewish people and to the non-Jews. But it really was a kind of a look back into the Old Testament. Now, what they used to do is the priest used to go in and he would take blood from different animals. But one of the animals he would take was a goat blood and he would sprinkle it on the cover, the curtain over top of the Ark of the Covenant. He would sprinkle it on, and it would literally cleanse the nation of their sins. So what God is saying about Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, he's saying Jesus has died and shed his blood for your sins. And he goes on to say, through the shedding of his blood, oh, and I love this last part, to be received by faith. By faith. What is faith, friends? Friends, faith isn't a, a thing that's kind of far off and mystical. Faith is believing Jesus' death and resurrection and receiving his gift of atonement. That is salvation. Oh, I'm so excited. And you heard it from Pastor Rod last Sunday, but we had about 140 people from our Christmas Eve services. Now we were clear, we said if you prayed to receive Jesus or you wanna know more, there's some Bibles. 140 people took those Bibles. So there's 140 people that are either just exploring faith or they receive Jesus and they wanna know more. These people are born again. These people are saved. It isn't the law, it isn't the rules, it's not the, uh, taking a goat and having it sacrificed. Jesus has done it once for all. And you can be saved by faith too. Last Sunday as Brad did a creative job to explain the Christian journey and that we are to engage in our faith, I wanna say to you, if we don't engage in our Christianity, if we don't walk in the Holy Spirit's power, and his counsel, I wanna be really honest, because I've experienced it myself over and over again, you will be a shell of a Christian. Are you feeling like a shell this morning? Jesus came to set the captives free, yet we rationalize and condone sin in our lives, often even saying it is not sin the way that I perceive it. Or that Greek word didn't really mean that. Or that wasn't really speaking to that kind of sin. That's not me. I'm so excited to say many of you have found freedom asking Jesus into your hearts. Do you remember when you prayed to receive him? Do you remember the feeling it gave you? And I mean, it's not about the feelings, but I haven't met too many that prayed to receive Christ that didn't have a euphoric feeling. 
And many of you, this church has been a seven steps to freedom, Neil Anderson Church for years. You went through Neil Anderson's seven steps to freedom and you felt newfound freedom like you've never experienced before. And that's been a long time ago. Some found significant freedom in the Holy Spirit weekend. Others found significant freedom in our soul care conference. Friends, there is more freedom to be had. Now what this passage really is speaking to is salvation, where that comes from, how it's achieved, what Jesus Christ came to do. Then, friends, there is sanctification. Salvation is step one. Jesus placed in your heart or the Holy Spirit inside of you is step one. You're redeemed. You've had the sprinkling of Jesus' blood on that curtain for you, for your sins. You are reconciled to God. Then there is sanctification. Sanctification is the working out of your salvation. Sanctification is being who you are in Christ. It is the ongoing work of Jesus renewing you. And Jesus wants you to go deeper and to have more freedom. And may I exhort you to consider starting a starting point as we go through the set free weekend coming these next three weeks. I shared, I think it was about three Sundays ago, my wife's experience of going to set free. Now, you have to understand, my wife and I are Neil Andersonites. We have used Neil Anderson's set free material for years. Uh, we've been through it, we, we've repeated it, we've got, I remember 25 years ago, reading Bondage Breaker. I had been through college, I had the theology, I knew what my salvation was. But reading Neil Anderson, all of a sudden, I began to kick into gear something that wasn't there. It was so cool. I remember going through the seven steps of freedom, understanding that as a Christian, I still have things I've got to deal with. I've still got a renewing of my mind to happen. And I remember going through the seven steps. I remember the feeling. It was almost like salvation over again. One girl I took through the seven steps of freedom, she said to me, for the first time in my life, I no longer heard condemnation. I could hear the birds singing as I walked home. She said, I felt like I wasn't even walking. I was walking on air. It was unbelievable. I want to say to you now that a whole bunch of us went to Southland Church and we went through the set free, which is basically Neil Anderson kind of reworked, redone. And all of us, all the staff, all the elders, every one of us went away going, wow. But we didn't stop there. We've kept going. We, as a church, we've just done our six sessions of hearing God. And I, in my prayer, I said, every week I hear of somebody else that has heard God, their marriage has been restored, they've restored the relationship with somebody that they were upset with or mad at, they were trying to be vengeful towards. I hear God often about stuff. I mean, there was somebody recently I was so mad at. I was so mad because how dare they still be able to whatever they were doing. And if you didn't know, I would pray Romans 12 over them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I would pray that all the time, every time I thought of them. And God said to me, you know that's not a prayer of hitting them on the head, right? You know in that prayer it says that you're supposed to give them to me. And if you're right, yeah, I'm gonna deal with them. But if you're wrong, then at least you look better. And I'm like, it's amazing how we can take stuff that is intended for good and flip it around and turn it into a club. There's more freedom to be had. 
Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will be able to learn. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I just happened to be reading in the book of John this morning, my own personal devotions, and I was overwhelmed I was overwhelmed what Jesus went through, what the disciples went through, and even historically. I mean, we read the book of Acts, we know that Stephen was stoned. Uh, we know some were killed, some were set free. Man, what they went through, we've had it so good in this world. I mean, when I came within Christianity, we may not have been liked, but we were somewhat respected. We're no longer there. And in fact, it gets really tough. When we start talking about sin, Everybody's going, isn't God a God of love? Yes, he is. But his love, as we read, it actually draws us to repentance. It draws us to life. And God wants your mind to be renewed. He wants to, to, to ferret out or to cleanse out that kind of thinking that's destroying you. The sum of our experiences with the good and bad mixed in, with what we believe in our heads, wreaks havoc on us. We must continue being sanctified. We must continue being renewed. So here comes the conclusion. It's a long one, so don't get too excited. I only have one point at the end here, but I want to explain it. I want to ask you to commit today to starting a new journey to more freedom. I want to ask you today to starting a new journey to more freedom. If you haven't been through hearing God, then please sign up or show up this January 15th, Wednesday night at the church. A week from this Wednesday, I want to ask you to please consider a set-free retreat at the end of January. And I want to ask you to consider soul care. Uh, Soul care, you know what it's so good for? If you're stuck and you don't know why, soul care has been one of the best biblical tools I've seen to help people get un. Stuck. I mean, it goes right into your thought life, what you're thinking, what you're believing. There's even some tests that they do to see if you're in some kind of spiritual bondage. And then they begin to ferret out what kind of thinking and where it came from, and they help you get set free. Friends, I want to challenge you. There's more freedom to be had. And at the end of the service now, I want you to close your eyes, and I know this gets a little weird for some of you. I'm just going to read some scriptures. And I want you to listen to what God is saying to you in them. So close your eyes, bow your heads. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecutions and sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's good will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And just before I pray, you can open your eyes now. So 25 years ago, I began this journey, and I really got really good at asking God all the time if I had sin in my life. In fact, I'd be in the shower. I can remember it. And all of a sudden, God would, and I don't know if I'm in the shower and I can't think of anything else. There's nothing going on, no distractions. And God would point out a sin, and I would say, oh, God. You know, it could have been a girl I dated in high school. Oh, God, please forgive me for that. I will not use my body as an instrument of unrighteousness, but for righteousness. Or I'd be driving my car somewhere, and God would bring something to my mind. I'd always be in conversation with him. But I want to tell you, something has changed in the last couple of years. I now actually ask God, do you love me? And by the way, if you don't get a positive yes, then you're not listening to God. And I have been overwhelmed to tears when God has talked to me about how much he loves me. I have moved from just asking about sin, and I've asked God even simple things like when I'm at Best Buy, God, should I be buying this? And you know one of his most common answers is, I don't care, whatever you want to do. I mean, God's like that. Sometimes he'll say, well, do you really need that? You're going to use it for all the wrong reasons. It's going to just eat up your time. And I don't know if you guys have seen that Facebook TV thing now. Can you imagine, we've already wasted so much time on Facebook. Can you imagine getting one of those and it can be in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom and you can get all the latest feeds coming up and the latest videos. I've seen enough cat videos to do a lifetime. And if you didn't know, I still ask God about my sin. This is about the Holy Spirit in you. This is about being saved by faith and working out your salvation with fear and trembling, getting to the point where you're saying, no, I, I know I sin, but I want to have a short relationship with you that's always pure. And it's about learning about what's going on, what thoughts are going on in your head. Because so much of how we think, how much we process, how we see God is by the experiences we've had, whether good or bad, and I just want to challenge you in 2020 that we go deeper. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
I have been so proud of this church. I have seen it over the last 12 years engaging the lost. I have been so proud how this church has fed the poor. Literally $100,000 or more a year feeding the poor. I have seen how this church uh, the attendance on Sunday morning, we, we have people that come more and more consistently. They want to grow in their faith. They want to rub shoulders with other believers. I have been impressed, God, how people are in small groups, in our life groups. I have been impressed as I hear story after story of people who I would never would have imagined would be able to release their bitterness and anger towards another brother or sister. And they've gone and made it Right? I have been on the receiving end of some of that, God, and I want to thank you that your word is powerful, that your Holy Spirit is in us, that you are helping our minds be renewed. You are growing us and transforming us. And forgive us, God, for just shedding off, for just making excuses, for not walking and growing in our faith. Oh, the freedom that we can find, the, the euphoria, the emotions that can follow, the, the joy that can fill and overwhelm us is just unbelievable. And we have given up so much of that for what the world has to offer. Oh God, let 2020 be a different year. And as Professor Brad Cowie said, help us to be in tune, to be in tune with your spirit to be walking daily with your spirit, to be growing. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.